much for coming tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, I actually ran out of time with the whole series we've been doing, uh, asking the question, do all religions lead to God? And the last one that we have to cover is tonight. It's Scientology. And so that's why you have, hopefully you have some notes with you there. And I, I, forgive me if they seem long. They are a bit. And so I'm going to go really fast. But the reason why I gave you these notes is because I wanted them to be easily understandable when you pick this thing up two years from now. If you file it, you can just read it and be like, oh, okay, that's what it means. So if it seems like I'm just reading stuff, that's because I am, because I want to make sure it's accurate, because frankly, when you study another religion that's not yours, you don't really know exactly what all that means, and so I had to really cover the notes really well. So the other thing, too, I want to tell you, how many of you guys have been watching the, the Scientology doco that they've been doing on A&E? Anybody been watching that? Okay, quite a few. Okay. So I want to tell you, you may know more than I do, because I have not watched a single episode on purpose. Number one, I didn't have time, but number two, <laughs> because I really didn't want to start off with the bias of someone who's very angry that's been hurt from Scientology. I wanted to just read it for what it is and for what they teach first. And then uh, it's, it, it's actually, we will poke holes in it tonight. It's, it's frankly extremely easy to do. To be honest with you, some of the stuff I'm going to teach you from Scientology tonight is so crazy to me, it's hard to teach you with a straight face. Like, I can't believe. The only thing more shocking than, than what L. Ron Hubbard taught was that people believe it. That's the most shocking thing to me is like, I can't believe that they created this. I can't even believe that people that apparently are doing very well in the, mu in the mu movie industry have fallen for this stuff. It just amazes me. So anyways, uh, I, I'm kind of showing my bias in the front end, but it's funny because I understand in their terminology, there's a word for me. The word is squirrel. It's someone who uh, basically exposes them. And there's a group of people, this is part of their, their church. The Scientology church has what's called squirrel busters. There are people who basically make people who expose Scientology their life a living hell. That they really do. It's crazy. I'm like, wow. So these people like come, will come after you. And so I was even kind of warned that we may get some picketers tonight. So if you're here, welcome. Uh, <laughs> but I assure you, you will not be shutting me down. Not, sorry. So, all right. So, so before we start, let's just first share a mission statement together. And this is why we're doing this, because we want to make sure that we know what we believe, why we believe it. And I think this will help you even be more confident in what you believe. So first of all, what's our mission as a church? We're here to do what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. No spaceship required. All right, let's talk about Scientology a little bit. A couple of things. First of all, the founder of Scientology's name is Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, otherwise known as L. Ron Hubbard. He was a science fiction writer who wrote over 200 books in his lifetime. He's a very prolific writer. His most popular book was Dianetics, The, the Modern Science of Mental Health. Uh, it's reportedly sold over 3 million copies. So Scientology, Scientology literature states that this book marked a turning point in human history as it has provided the first workable, this is, I'm quoting them, the first workable approach to solving the problems of the mind, enabling man to overcome irrational behavior. In the eyes of Scientology members, Hubbard is the world's most influential author, educator, research pioneer, explorer, humanitarian, and philosopher, which I find that amazing because I've never even heard of the guy. But apparently he's like the greatest, so they think he's a really big deal. So Hubbard was born in Tilden, Nebraska in 1911. As a 12-year-old child, he rep reportedly... Uh, 
read a number of the world's greatest classics. Therein, his interest in philosophy and religion was born. Later, during his high school years, he allegedly traveled throughout Asia with his father, who was in the Navy, and studied Eastern religions. It was there that he became interested in the spiritual destiny of man. Biographical, biographical material in Hubbard's books claims he studied science, mathematics, and mathematics in the Department of Engineering at George Washington University and later attended Princeton University. In World War II, he was allegedly crippled and blinded and was twice pronounced dead. This is according to his biography, which he wrote. Critics, however, have called into question details relating to Hubbard's biography. Walter Martin's The Kingdom of Cults reports that Hubbard attended high school in America while he was claiming to have been traveling in Asia. George Malko also uh, reported the facts that uh, the facts are that Hubbard never received a Bachelor of Science degree in civil engineering. He flunked freshman physics and was placed on probation in September of 1931 and failed to return to the university uh, the 31-32 academic year. Russell Miller's book, Barefaced Messiah, the true story of L. Ron Hubbard, claims Hubbard's medical records do not show that Hubbard was crippled, blinded, or twice pronounced dead. Now, if you know anything about the military, if you have an injury, they record everything, and there's no record of any of that from his military history, so it's like, eh, apparently he was a good fiction writer in a lot of areas, <laughs> including his biography. So, okay, as an adult, now let's get into some stuff that is true about him. As an adult, Hubbard did produce many books, mostly science fiction early in his career, and later books about psychology and then later Scientology. So he kind of took this journey. He started writing books about science fiction. Then he went from that to, he, he got real interested in the human mind, so he wrote books on psychology, uh, and then from there, he went from psychology, and he had one book that really took off and got a following called Dianetics, and he went from there to studying the soul, and that's when he created his own religion. His watershed book was called Dianetics. It is a method for alleviating, this is a quote from him, it's a method for alleviating unwanted sensations and emotions, irrational fears, and psychosomatic illnesses, that is, illnesses caused or aggravated by mental stress. How many of you guys remember commercials in the 80s about Dianetics? I actually remember some of these as a kid. It was on TV, and it kind of made sense since he was located in Hollywood. He must have known people that could produce commercials. And he, you know, he, he was very good and very adept at getting into the, and weaving into the world of Hollywood celebrities. He's very good at that. And uh, later, his later followers have also been very good at that as well. But I do remember those commercials growing up. Uh, Scientology was developed after Dianetics came out. It's as, I, as is identified, defined by L. Robert Hubbard. Here, here's his quote on what it means. It's the Western Anglicized continuance of many earlier forms of wisdom. These earlier forms of wisdom Hubbard refers to include a variety of religious and philosophical belief systems such as Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Judaism, Gnosticism, and the teachings of Jesus, and the writings of more recent intellectuals such as William James. William James actually is a really smart guy. Do not throw his stuff out because L. Ron Hubbard quoted him. Um, or Sigmund Freud or uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. All those, had, all those guys had some really good stuff in psychology. But he took it and completely warped it in a, in a big way. Scientology is therefore a very eclectic religion. What's funny about that is he says that he has lots of uh, influences from all of those, which is interesting because if you study them individually, they all contradict each other. So it's like, so you're influenced by all these different ones that all have different viewpoints. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense, and it'll even make less sense by the time I'm done. So, okay. In 1954, Scientologists in Los Angeles established the first church of Scientology. The mother church, as they call it, for Scientology is located there in L.A. It supervises Scientology churches around the world. At present, the head of the church is David uh, Miscavige, is how they say it. 
uh, there's been a lot of talk about him in the TV show, from what I understand. So, Scientologists claim the, the religion now involves some 3,000 churches, missions, related organizations, and groups, and allegedly more than 8 million people in 100 countries who speak 30 languages. There is Scientology even located here in South Texas, so it's actually here as well. So, uh, Scientology has garnered national attention because of its celebrity members. Some of these names may, re- may ring a bell. Tom Cruise probably is the most famous Scientologist right now. Kirstie Alley also, Mimi Rogers, Ann Archer, Sonny Bono, uh, John Travolta, well, the late Sonny Bono, I believe, uh, John Travolta, and Leah Rimini. She is the one that, of course, is, is she's no longer a Scientologist. She's the one that she's picking it apart and pretty easily picking it apart because she grew up and was very abused in that whole deal. Uh, so many of these and others are regularly visitors to what's called the Scientology Seven Story Celebrity Center in Hollywood. Uh, Travolta actually once said that Scientology contains the secrets of the universe, which is really amazing to me. Hubbard's books are considered scripture. So basically, Dianetics and his later books after Dianetics, they consider their scripture, and that's what they study. They don't, they don't actually go to church on Sundays and worship. And the reason, of course, the reason they don't worship is because they believe they are gods. So therefore, why do you go worship a god when you are a god? That's one of the big teachings that we'll talk about in just a moment. But they, they really do everything through seminars, and they charge an extreme amount of money for these seminars. The first ones are free. And in fact, if you go to Hollywood, you'll see what's called reading rooms everywhere. And uh, these, these reading rooms is where they, they, they kind of begin with psychology that sounds really empowering. Like, oh man, you know, you, you have the strength to overcome and you're a, a, a basically a very good person and we just need to get all the bad out of you and we'll help you with that. So when you first read it at first glance, it's like, wow, this is great. This is going to help me. It's going to help me overcome my fears. It's going to help me overcome my doubts and my depression and what a wonderful thing. So when you first read stuff in a reading room, it just sounds so great. Like, who doesn't want that? And so it sounds like pop psychology. It sounds very positive, very popular, very, very, very inspiring. And so when you first read it, you're thinking, this is great stuff. But the further you go into it, it, into it, it, it gets really into mind control, and it's very mind-warping. In fact, to be honest with you, even studying, I didn't like studying it. I was just like, man, I, I just want to get rid of this stuff. It's just, it's so bizarre. So now let's go into some of the Scientology beliefs. By the way, you ever been to Hollywood and seen any of this stuff? I've actually walked Hollywood Boulevard before, and you can see reading rooms along Hollywood and Vine, which is right there where Man's Chinese Theater is, and that's where Jimmy Kimmel is, and, you know, the, Disney's got a theater right there. It's all right along there. And if you walk along there, you'll see multiple reading rooms where you can stop in. And again, it looks so welcoming. And a lot of people that go to Hollywood, you know, LA sounds really cool and really fun, but, you know, 95%, if not more, probably 99% of the people that go there to make it don't make it. And it's just like a city of broken, they call it the city of broken dreams for a reason, because some people go there and just mess up their lives. And there's so much drugs and prostitution. It's just, it's a terrible environment, to be honest with you. It's like, it's, it's really bad. And so when you go there, and I don't just mean the immoral stuff, I mean like it's for all the young people who go there with a dream and just don't make it, um, it's, it's, very, it's very discouraging. So you can see if someone is running out of money fast, things are falling apart in their life, and all of a sudden you just walk up and there's this place that says, we want to help you. I mean, you can see how people would immediately just be drawn to this if you are desperate and this place looks like, hey, this looks pretty legit. And then you hear, man, there's a guy who's like top of the food chain here in Hollywood, Tom Cruise, man, and he's like a big supporter of this, and you go in there, and they're quoting him, and they're quoting John Travolta, and all, and all these people that, if you're trying to make an entertainment industry, oh, those guys, I mean, you can't get any higher than them, and so if it helped them, maybe it'll help me too. So you can see how people would get sucked into this stuff. So what are the Scientology beliefs? Here's a few, okay? The definition of God, Scientology claims that it does not set forth a specific dogma regarding God. You can believe what you want about God, so they say. 
Individuals are free to interpret God as they wish. The author of the universe exists. How God is symbolized or manifested is up to each individual to find uh, for him or herself. Yet the, the church does not refer, does refer to God variously in nebulous terms like, and here's the terms they use. They use nature, then they use inf- infinity, they use the eighth dynamic, more on that in a minute, and they use all theta, which is another popular term for them. Jesus was not considered an operating thetan, Thetan, uh, but rather was just a shade, a shade above clear. So he basically barely made the mark in, in their world, okay? So here's what is called a Thetan, Thetans, okay? Uh, in the theology of Scientology, every human being in his true identity is a Thetan, pronounced Thetan. Um, I realize what that rhymes with. No, I don't know if that's a play on words there, but... It's considered an immortal spirit, okay? Man is not limited uh, to the pitiful body and ego he mistakenly imagines himself to be. He is a Thetan whose fundamental nature is basically good and divine. He is not morally fallen. Rather, he is simply ignorant of his own perfection. His only fall was into matter, not sin. This is what they teach. So we're not sinful according to them. We're all inherently good, and we just get confused because of all the physicalness around us, which really were spiritual, immortal beings, which is basically you're walking around as a god already and you just don't know it. And this Scientology is supposed to help you discover the god that you are. Not the god in you, the god that you are. Okay? Uh, the problem that developed for these Thetans is that they eventually lost awareness of their true identity as Thetans, immoral spirit, immortal spirits. They forgot their true identity as spiritual beings. In other words, they came to believe that they were merely physical beings. They got caught in their own trap and got stuck in their creation, especially in man, i.e. in matter, energy, space, and time. This stands for messed. They'll say, oh, you're caught in your messed. You're caught in your matter, your energy, your space, and your time. You're caught in the fact that you seem human, but you're actually not. That's what they teach, okay? Uh, And uh, messed is the physical universe, and they even forget that they were actually the creators. So we've just forgotten that we actually created the whole world. And so they want to help you discover and, and uncover who you really are, that you're actually God. And so that's what they want to teach you. Then they have this thing called Ingrams, okay? Ingrams are where the problem comes in, okay? Tragically, according to Scientology literature, since that time they have returned life after life through reincarnation. So they actually, this is where uh, Hinduism comes in here. They actually do believe in reincarnation. Inhabiting different bodies, in each new body, the Ingrams, the sensory impressions stored in the mind that can cause various emotional and physical symptoms from past lives stick with them only to cause more problems with each new reincarnation. So basically, are you not feeling good? Oh, that's an Ingram. Oh, are you frustrated or hurt? That's an Ingram. Oh, you have a fear? That's just an Ingram. We can get rid of that Ingram for you. So if you're scared or maybe you were raped as a child, you know, oh, and I've got all these horrible memories. Oh, that's just an Ingram. We can get rid of that. So whatever it is that you're, you're facing, we, we can just get rid of that. We can, we can clear your mind of those things. And so that's what an Ingram is to them. So then they have basically two minds that you're wrestling with, okay? And so in, in their teaching, the first is the analytical mind, and the second is the reactive mind. And what they believe that all of us are reactive, and so we need to get out of the reactive mind and get into the analytical mind, because once you have good data, good information, then you can solve whatever problem you face. This is what they teach, okay? So Scientology believes that Ingrams, or bad memories, from past and present lives, clog up your mind, creating negative emotions. This is a reactive mind. And the answer is to get rid of these thoughts and emotions, to have an analytical mind, the ability to, pro- to problem solve from data that is free of emotions. For example, you see a dog as a child. This is just one example in their literature. 
You see a dog as a child while crashing on your bicycle. So you're riding with a bicycle while you're eight years old, and you look over the dog, and you crash while you see the dog, okay? This creates an association with dogs as bad since you scraped your knee while seeing the dog as you cra crashed your bike. You need to clear this negativity out of your mind so that you do not have a reactive mind to dogs, okay? You can also have a reactive mind to things from previous lives or even while you're in your mother's womb. They teach this. You know, maybe mom was pregnant with you, she bumped her belly against something, and now that creates some kind of negative, you know, connotation in your mind, and you can be free of that. You say, well, I don't remember this, well, but I'm just depressed. Oh, that's probably from something from when you're in the womb, or maybe from a previous life, and you just carried that over with you. And so we're going to clear up these Ingrams. Anybody think I'm crazy yet? I feel like it just talking about it. All right, so, so this is called going clear. <laughs> I know this just seems bizarre, but... It's true, and I'm going to give you a, a story in a minute about Tom Cruise, an interesting story that came out about him, about going clear. Okay, man can become clear of Ingrams through auditing, okay? So they want to audit you, which basically they just question you about any negative, how you feel now, oh, I just feel so negative. I had this bad memory of my mother, or bad memory of a, of a friend growing up, or bad memory of a breakup. Oh, yeah, we need to clear you of that. Let's audit you. So tell me about that. So you begin to tell them, we're going to audit you, we're going to clear this out of your mind, okay? Going clear is the process of, of an auditor, which is a Scientology word for minister, basically, if you're an auditor. You can be an auditor, a minister in Scientology, or you can be an auditor in training, a minister in training, okay? They facilitate in helping delete those sensory impressions that have been stored in the person's reactive mind through life or past life's painful experiences. Just as one can clear wrong numbers from an adding machine, so one can become clear of Ingram's. One who is not yet clear is called a pre-clear. You are a pre-clear according to Scientology, okay? A person who is clear is in control of his behavior instead of being controlled by Ingrams. He is no longer at the mercy of the stimulus response mechanisms of the reactive mind, but can think independently and experience life unencumbered by the past. A clear can act rather than react. It's interesting, if you ever watch any interviews with Tom Cruise about stuff like this, he talks a lot about the mind. He goes, oh, you know, people that, that need, this is why, by the way, remember years ago when he got in this huge issue with Brooke Shields, remember that? And he was like, you don't need this antidepressant stuff because you can clear your own mind. You don't need that stuff. That's where he was talking. You could tell he found himself getting in trouble pretty quick, so he backed off because he realized how weird he was about to sound. But basically he was saying, you don't need any of that stuff. We don't need all this, this, this medicine. Now I'll be the first to say there are clearly people taking antidepressants that I don't think should. I'll be the first to say that, but not because I think you have an Ingram in your mind. Not because I think that needs to happen. I think that there is a place for counseling, but this is not counseling. This is just weird, bizarro stuff, okay? So that's where he was going with that. The process of auditing is assisted by use of a meter that act allegedly helps the auditor locate areas of spiritual distress, Ingrams, in the preclear. This instrument is called an electropsychometer or e-meter. As the preclear holds this in his hands, the electrodes of this religious instrument, uh, it's just metal cylinders attached to wires, uh, it's, it sends out a current of about 1.5 volts that flows through the wires to the person's body and back into the e-meter. It doesn't shock you. You don't even actually feel it. The current is so small that there's no physical sensation. The meter is said to indicate bodily changes and electrical resistance when different questions are asked. So if it starts to read high, oh, we must be close to an Ingram. So that's what that means, okay? At least according to them. Uh, this increase uh, of awareness builds... Uh, I'm sorry, did I miss something here? The current is so small that there's no physical sensation. The meter is said to indicate bodily changes in electrical resistance when different questions are asked. This increase of awareness builds from auditing session to auditing session, and the preclear gradually becomes more and more aware of who he is and what has happened to him or her and what his true potential or abilities are. By the way, there are eight levels to this, and they cost thousands of dollars to go through each level. 
This should be the clear giveaway right here to what's actually going on when it costs. By one session, averages about $12,500. So if you want salvation, you better be ready to pay up because it's going to cost a lot of money. Okay. This then is salvation in the religion of Scientology. Sal salvation is attained through increasing one's spiritual awareness. In fact, in a 1990 LA Times article, think about how old that is now, 1990, okay, so 25 years ago, um, and an article on Scientology estimated that the go from initially the initial free test, that's the reading rooms, to being uh, an operation, operating Thetan 8 level cost between $200,000 and $400,000. So these people that get caught up in this are like, man, I'm on level three, and I really want to be at level four, and that one's going to cost me 50 grand. Well, I better start saving so I can start paying that off now. And eventually, a couple years in, you finally get it paid off, just like you're paying off a car, and now I can take level four. And then the next level, oh, man, that's 100,000 bucks. Man, I'm going to have to work, you know, five, six, seven, eight years to save all this money and start paying my payments now so I can eventually take the next level, and I can become a level five. Guys, this is just sick. People are giving their entire living over to this to become, quote-unquote, clear, which is essentially their version of salvation. Interesting, I was reading on this, too, and I, I listed all the, the, the resources for it, so feel free to check it out for yourself if you want, or you can go watch the Leah Rimini, um, you know, the, the, the special, the documentaries that she's done through A&E. Apparently, it's a really hot show. I've not seen it. I, I'm going to watch it after this because I wanted to not be biased from it. To be honest with you, <laughs> It, it's so easy to be biased from this stuff anyways because it just doesn't make sense. But when I went online and began to look at people who've come out of the Scientology movement, what was really interesting is how they could manipulate you. And this is very much a cult, by the way, and I will clearly call it a cult. This is, this is not really religion, it's a cult. And one of the ways you know it's a cult is because they really want to get you away from your friends and family as much as possible. They want to separate you out from anyone who would have rational thought to be able to argue this and poke holes in this. And so, and here's what they do. Like, let's say I get you into this, like I bring you in as an auditor, and I'm trying to get you in this, and, and you're on level four, five, or six, by the way. Oh, and when they rewent, and I forgot to tell you this, they recently we went back and rewrote the curriculum to be at level four, five, six, and other words, all the levels, they rewrote them. And when you're at level seven or eight, they were like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. We redid it, so you're not clear anymore. You got to go back and start over. In other words, we want you to pay up again. So now they're going back, and, and these people are going back and paying all over again to do this. It's just, it's, 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 it's really scary. And, of course, at the top of the pyramid, you know, this David uh, Miscavige is incredibly wealthy. Surprise, surprise. And so, as L. Ron Hubbard was phenomenally wealthy, millions of dollars. I mean, they have these elaborate retreat centers in the middle of California, in the middle of nowhere, and you can't find them. It's just, it's crazy stuff, crazy. And, and if you leave Scientology, they will, they have all your secrets, because see, your, your Ingrams are your secrets, so whatever it is that you've done that you're embarrassed of or ashamed of, when you are audited, you share that. They record all of that, so if you want to leave, they're like, well, you can leave if you want, but you know, we have all this information on you, so if you try to go to the press, we may have to let them know why you're really going, because look at all this, so they have it all on you, and that's how they keep you in, that's how, or they keep you quiet. And so, I think it's interesting that David Miscavige's wife hasn't been seen in years. It's kind of scary when you think about that. So, where'd, where'd she go? Why isn't, why isn't there a missing persons report on her? So, I think there's two different options you got. Number one is that uh, someone has been bought off somewhere or is, frankly, in Scientology, in the police department that's just keeping, keeping that on, uh, in wraps from anyone doing anything about it. That's one possibility. Or the second possibility that I think is a real possibility is that she somehow got out 
and she let she may have called there may be a missing person because she may have called and said i am alive i'm fine but please do not tell anyone where i'm at because i'm trying to stay away from these people so i'm not really sure which one it is but i would i would argue it's probably one or the other but the point of this whole thing is that if people are falling for this stuff that should tell you how important it is for us to share the truth of who jesus is because people are falling for crazy things because everyone's looking for purpose guys Everyone's looking for purpose. I wish I could tell you there's a whole lot more, but it's pretty, pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. But this is how it works if you get caught into it. You have an Ingram, right? And so they're trying to get you cleared of, of all that. And then let's say you come back and you say, I don't know if I believe all this stuff anymore. This is kind of some weird stuff. Then they say, oh, that's an Ingram. That's from something in your past that's causing you to doubt this. So we just need to get rid of that. So let's talk through that. And if you come back and you say, I, my, my, mom, my, my mom and dad were telling me, they said, well, what are you telling your mom and dad for? Oh, no, you can't do that. That's going to cause a problem. Well, they were telling me I should maybe question this, and I don't know about all this money. And this and that. Oh, 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 that's an Ingram too. So let's clear your mind to that. So they get you to doubt your doubts. And they get you caught up in this cycle. And pretty soon you just start to believe everything you're being told. And they surround your whole life with you. This is what they did with Tom Cruise, that his personal assistant, they made sure, was a Scientologist. Uh, a photographer to work for him, all these people around him, and they just, he just, they surrounded him with people. They said, oh, we want to put the best people around you just to help you out, Tom. But they were actually there watching him the whole time. It's very scary. Uh, is it any wonder why he's burned through so many marriages that these girls are like, get me out of this as fast as possible. And I'm not trying to say that to be judgmental towards him. I feel sorry for the guy, honestly. And I feel sorry for anyone who gets caught up in this. It's really, it's, it, it's, it, frankly, it's terrifying. And so it's really just scary stuff. So Christianity versus Scientology, real quick. Number one, the Bible is clear that there is only one God and we are not him. Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, look now, I myself and he, there is no other God but me. Hate to break it to you. I think you're a nice person, but you're not God. Neither am I. Okay? We are not God. Uh, number two, we are not powerful thetans but rather weak humans that need God. Now, that may sound depressing, and you can see why someone's going to buy into Scientology because in our theology... We're sinners in need of grace. And they're thinking, oh, you're not a sinner. You're actually a God. Well, that sounds really cool. I get to be a God? Cool. That sounds fun. I love that. Oh, and I've never fallen into sin, which means I, I, I can't actually do anything wrong? Sounds even better to me. So you can see, again, how this is very attractive, okay? But we are not powerful thetans. We are actually weak human beings. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. And number three, unlike Scientology, which requires you to shell out large amounts of money to be set free, Christ's salvation is free. Jesus died on the cross for you. Just accept him. It's free. Revelation 21.6 says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You don't have to pay anything. I paid it all, Jesus said. You don't have to pay anything. It is free. You know, I just want to encourage you. This whole series has been so enlightening for me to even study. A lot of this stuff, I knew some of this stuff from seminary, some of the basic religions around the world, but man, some of this new stuff just blew my mind just to study this stuff. And there's just some crazy thoughts out there on this. And, and I just want to encourage you because, you know, I like psychology too, and, and I have a psych, minor in psychology, which just makes me just enough to be dangerous. But I, I enjoyed studying it. It was fun to study, and I definitely believe that you can really uh, help yourself out with certain psychology books are very helpful. There really is such a thing as a good psychologist helping you out, and there is such a thing as Christian psychology, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's some real strengths there. But be very careful when you start to see the Eastern uh, religions 
influencing psychology. When, when people start to say, oh, well, if you want to have peace, you just need to close your eyes and connect with one with the world. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. That's not, no, that, that's Eastern religion that's getting involved. And so you see how quickly L. Ron Hubbard went from psychology, good psychology, to bad psychology, to occult. And so, and there are people that are really into psychology, and you, I got to ask the question at some point and say, so there's nothing wrong with getting a little help mentally if you need it, but that's not your religion. That won't save your soul. And so this is where we have to ask some harder questions to say, where is there proof, real proof, evidence, beyond one person's quote and what they say they saw or did? There's only one source where we've seen someone do something that was beyond human, that was evidenced by hundreds and hundreds of people, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he died and he rose again for you and me. He is the real deal. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every close? I just want to take a moment right now, and if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive Him. Scientology doesn't have the answers. Jesus does. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, Jesus died for you. He proved that He's God by rising again. There were over 500 witnesses who saw Jesus rise again, that saw Him after He had died in a very public way on the cross, after He'd been buried. They saw Him walking around, talking to people. They knew that this must be the real deal. Why do you think Christianity spread throughout the world so fast? Because if you see something like that, you tell your friends. You experience something like that, you realize this is the real deal. He really is the Messiah. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by praying a very simple prayer. You can pray this prayer with me right now. We're going to pray it across all of our campuses right now. Those who are watching online, you can pray this prayer with me. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. I receive your free salvation. I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. And God good? His word is so true.